Sasha. Hey, Courtney. What do you call a noodle that's acting sus? Uh, I don't know. Uh, susgetti? Ooh, it is acting susgetti, but it's an imposta. <gasps> I saw them vent in medbay. It's spoop hour. <laughs> two Halloweenies. That still works because weenies is also a thing you can eat. <laughs> yeah. What if we just, what if Damn we it. like almost four years in just completely pivot our topic and instead of being paranormal comedy, we're just paranormal cooking? Okay, listen though, we have enough material to at least carry us through another episode after this. Right? And y'all know we love eating. We do love eating. So maybe like, this is, we're actually, we're going to be a spoopgetty <laughs> for, for two episodes or three episodes. <laughs> Anyway, we are Spoop Hour, a paranormal <laughs> comedy podcast hosted by two Halloweenies. Still works. Still works. This is Sasha. <laughs> this is Courtney. And I would love it if we just pivoted to be paranormal yeah. cooking. That would that'd be great. You can find us online <laughs> at Spoop Hour on Instagram and Twitter, where we might talk more about pivoting to food Who related spoop. Maybe we'll just pivot entirely and just become a Babysitter's Club podcast. I don't know why oh. Babysitter's Club was on the tip of my tongue. I was going to say, we could pivot entirely and be a YA podcast. Oh my god. If just you talk about seen all the ways the that we can fix things and demand a book, what, it, what do we call it? We Book uh, hour. Book hour, Spook yeah. hour, just, S-B-O-O-K. Like spoop hour, but spook but spook. hour. Spook. spook hour. Spook hour, and it's, it's where we fix YA novels. So two things. One, I can hear the audience being like, I thought y'all said that if you were going to switch to doing every other week, the episodes would be higher in quality. Clearly that was a lie, <laughs> and you should have known that was a lie. That's on you. <laughs> and two... The YA thing, just contextually, the joy of sharing a podcast with one of your nearest and dearest friends is I recently watched Shadow and Bone on Netflix, which is a series, I don't know if they're considering them limited run, it was only eight episodes, Mm -hmm. but a series based on a book series that I haven't read, and now I I don't want to read the book series because I've heard they're worse, and I just messaged (laughs) Sasha, and I'm like, I'm at this point where I'm like, this could have really been something, this could have, like, ticked all my boxes and been exactly what I was looking for, but there were so many missteps where I'm like, you have the bones, ha ha ha, the shadows and bones, (laughs) of something good, but, like, you didn't do it, and part of it is because of the limitations of an eight-episode format, and part of it is apparently the source material is hella problematic, which I'm not about. But the show had Bin Bonds and like Sweet Baby Bin Barnes. I've been I've been calling him Bin Bonds genuinely. I used to be part of an online community that referred to him exclusively as Bin Bonds, and that was my first exposure to Ben Barnes, the actor. He played Prince Caspian in the, mm. the Chronicles yeah. of Narnia movies. Mm-hmm. If you don't, if you are not familiar with Bin Bonds, the Chronic What Calls of Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> so. Sheep on ONTD Sheep, the community yep. I was a part of, we referred to him exclusively as Bin Bonds. So I got into the habit of calling him mentally Bin Bonds. Bin Bonds. Anytime I saw him, I'd be like, oh, Bin Bonds. And now it's the Bin Bonds in a Majestic Cape show, <gasps> which he looks great. And like, yeah, I was going to say, that should have ticked your box. It, I mean, the one thing that did tick my box was, was Bin, Bin Bonds. Bonds in a yeah, like cape. in a fantastic cape. I'm like, mm-hmm. we keep that. We keep the cast because the cast seems delightful. And then we just like I revamp the source material to fix these logical inconsistencies and make everybody have better characterization and not just like randomly do shit and like whatever but you know maybe make your villain less hot next time yeah and like I've been in quarantine a long time so I'm like maybe he has a point maybe we should burn it down maybe his power usage is not going to be any different than the like systemic abuses of power that exist already so maybe we just give him the keys to the kingdom and see what happens he's hot it could go worse (laughs) 
I've, I've been watching a lot of anime where the main character goes bad, and I'm just like, they have a point. Yeah, like, <laughs> because I'm like, why not just burn it all down? In this, the year of our Lord 2021, whomst among us isn't looking at villains and going, you know, they, they kinda, have a point. They have a point. Listen, they're not. I've wrong. been really back into like Marvel movies lately because I've like went. Well, part of it is like WandaVision and Falcon sure. and Winter Soldier, right? Like, and then going back and watching the movies that they were in just to like try to, to you know, regroup mentally and also catching up on all the ones that I skipped or like right. just missed. And yeah, recently I, w- I was watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier where the, the setting is after the blip and the snap and everyone comes back. Sure, sure, sure. And there's one of the groups that's. At, first kind of framed as like the enemy actually is just a bunch of people who were displaced after the snap and mm-hmm. were refugees and all of this. Anyway, I went back and rewatched Infinity War and Endgame and I was like, you know, that Thanos. <laughs> He's kind of got a point. Got a point. <laughs> For me, the movie that has that is unapologetically Black Panther. Where mm-hmm. He has yep. a point. Yeah. Like Killmonger so, had a point. He's he's not that like yeah okay like this is the same phrase I used to describe Bin Bonds and the Bin Bonds and Majestic Cape show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's done some pretty bad stuff, but like he kind of has a point, and his face looks like that. So can we say if he's I good or bad? I can't even I can't even say his face looks like that to Thanos. Yeah, no, I mean yeah, with Thanos like it's like that. it's exclusively on the quality of his idea. But like yeah. if you're looking at Michael B. Jordan's face, <laughs> Michael and he's B. Jordan, like, cultural appropriation is a real problem. It's like you know, Michael B. Jordan, you beautiful man, you absolutely have a point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know. Anyway. Helping, helping other people who need help? Yeah. Yeah. You have a point. You, you, you're not wrong. Yeah. You're not wrong. <laughs> like, the current power structures, they're not doing anybody any favors anyway. Like, yeah. why not just be like, I'm super powerful, suck my dick? Like, Yeah. In Attack on Titan, it's like, yeah, all these, the, the Eldians have been, like, basically pushed into, like, the equivalent of, like, like, uh, like, like the the Jewish ghettos where mm-hmm. they would like push everyone into a certain region and then make them wear like the yellow stars oh, and geez. like yeah. and then the Eldians on the the island are like yeah we we could definitely attack them with our titans and like free the free the other Eldians and I'm like yeah just just eat the people on the mainland who are subjecting your people to to bad things don't worry about the carnage just yeah. like go free your people see <laughs> like, and like <laughs> if I were to tweak Shadow and Bone which obviously I can't. But if you want to pay me money to fix your YA series, one of the many issues that I have with it is because there's only eight episodes, all of the characterization is very shallowly done, which I mm-hmm. get. And, like, there's not a ton of exposition. So the first two episodes are genuinely, like, watching a show in a foreign language with no subtitles and being like, okay, this is the vibe I'm getting, but I don't actually know because you keep saying yeah. words like they're supposed to mean something to me and they do not. The, the show is made for people who've read the book. Yeah, basically. and they've made improvements to the book because there are, like, Bin Bonds' character in particular was extremely problematic in the book and they toned him down to be only, like, 70% problematic in the show as opposed to, like, 98% mm. problematic. Mm-hmm. So, like, and they, like, there were issues of agency and, like, consent and things yeah. like that. And 2% so, majestic tape cape. Yeah, and then he looks yeah. majestic in a fucking cape. So, like... <laughs> You know, it's fine. Like, am I saying I would, you know, be the evil queen to his powerful dark lord and his, like, swinging bitchin' cape? I mean, I plead the fifth. If you got a swinging bitchin' cape, too. Yeah, like, I mean, obviously, I would need a cape to match his cape. Let's let's talk capes. Let's talk capes. Anyway, we're not talking about shadow and bone today, but if you have shadow and bone thoughts and you want to hear further my shadow and bone (laughs) thoughts, email spoopowergmail.com. You can also email us your thoughts about other YA or ghosts you've seen. Which... Goes into my other comment. Thank you to our Patreon supporters for continuing to listen to us talk about Twilight. Mm-hmm. Because Courtney read Twilight, so I don't have to, it's and true. so you don't have to. You don't have to. She's reading currently the Edward Cullen book, so none of us have to. Yeah, you're welcome. Now you don't have to. That is a YA series that I don't think even I could save. Like even in my narcissistic vision, where I can fix all YA, I think that one's that one's a bit too far gone, even for me. Mm-mm. So. You know. Someday we'll, we'll free those from their Patreon prison. <laughs> yeah, someday. Someday. You know, ten Maybe years from now. Ten years from now and we'll, you'll, you'll we'll let you guys. You'll listen to all of them. And you, you be the, wait, when we have our spin-off YA podcast. Yeah, we'll just release hour. all of the uh, Twilight ones and yeah. you'll realize that we've spent 
How many hours at this oh point talking God. about Twilight? Probably close to like 15. <laughs> yeah, 15 hours talking about Twilight. And we're not even done yet. And we're, that's not even our official podcast. <laughs> no. And this is just a book that I'm now like halfway done with. So we yeah. have probably two more installments in the Midnight Sun version. And then there's a novella that I have to read. Yeah. So, you know. And so if there's two more installments, that's probably like another three or four hours. Yeah, plus probably. a novella, yeah. which is going to be at least another hour. Yeah. There's, there's we'll a have lot like a 20-hour series here. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, it's a BBC, like, full series run mm-hmm. is what's happening. But anyway, did anything spooky happen to you this week? Other than me telling you all my shadow and bone thoughts. Yeah, I'm going through our DMs because I'm like, did, did anything spooky happen to me? Did I text you about anything spooky that happened to me this week? I don't, I don't think know that you did. I, I, don't th- I messaged something to you when you picked yeah. our topic. Right. Yeah. The Okay, well, I guess this isn't like spooky, but it's nice. This past week was Teacher Appreciation Week. Yay! And I got like nice emails from students and I got a handwritten Aww. card from another student and a $20 Starbucks gift card because <gasps> that kid is a real one. Oh, shit. Yeah. New favorite student alert. $20 yeah. Starbucks was, card is the dream. He was my favorite. He was definitely my favorite student jun- of my juniors last year mm-hmm. and he's a senior now and nice. he's just like the nicest like when you talk to all of his other teachers who have him everyone's just like oh my god he's the nicest kid <laughs> so like it was like that kid who like reminds you that like even though the world is shitty that there's like a kid who needs you you know like that's a kid good. who's happy to see you it's like it, yeah so so that's, that's a that good was a spooky nice thing. spooky thing that's I, nice. I didn't expect to get any kind of teacher appreciation stuff this week and I, I heard from several students over email I wish me happy teacher appreciation week that's and it made nice. me all feel warm and fuzzy inside oh. how about you tell me about spooky things I know I've said before that nightmares are cheating but I'm going to tell you about a nightmare. Yeah, oh that yeah, because I, I didn't even. Yeah, we're not even going to talk about my nightmares. <laughs> yeah, so this, I, I, I will avoid telling you about the bulk of them because they're just pretty standard, like run of the mill scary dreams. Mm-hmm. This one is notable though because in this one, I dreamt that we were at like this like remote cabin doing some sort of whatever, and there was this phone outside, like a smartphone. It was a snowy cabin. I remember picking it up Ooh. from the snow. And a siren went off because there was a new, like, alert system for missing and murdered indigenous women so that if you found something that was a clue in one of those cases, this alarm would go off. Because clearly I was reading about missing and murdered indigenous women. Yeah, I was going to say you were reading about MMIW this week. Yep. Yep. So I picked up the phone and it made that sound. And I was like, oh, shit. And as I dropped it, I realized the phone was covered in blood. (laughs) No! I was like, So I'm freaking out because I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't know. I was just picking it up to see, like, oh, whose phone is this? Do I need to call somebody so I can tell them that I have their phone? Mm-hmm. And then, like, the phone started playing this video, and it turned out the indigenous woman it belonged to, this thing came at her. It was a poltergeist in the cabin we were staying in, and we were like, oh, my God, it's at this part of the cabin because it was this huge complex. So we went there to try and get rid of it, and I was standing in this cabin, and people were like, Courtney, what do we do? And I out loud said, we covered this on Spoop Hour, and I don't remember what we said (laughs) because... I was trying to think of the rules of the game, call the plumber, call or poltergeist, call, yeah. call the exorcist. Yeah, yeah. exorcist, yeah. Which in retrospect, I should have called that game who you gonna call. That would have that was that was sloppy work. Poltergeist Busters. Yeah. So I was trying to remember like what do you do for a poltergeist? And I couldn't remember, so I got like a thing of salt and was just pushing it up against like paintings in the room, like, this'll help and let's all hold hands and set our intention. But it was notable to tell you about because in the dream I was like, You said I've talked about this on spoop hour. On spoop hour, I should know this and I don't remember. Your dream just reminded me. A tangentially spooky thing mm-hmm. that happened this week is that <laughs> Resident Evil 8, The Village, came out this week, and of my own volition, I started watching a playthrough. I was watching one of those yesterday because my, yeah. my partner picked one, and he's like, if it's too scary for you, I can turn it off. And yeah. I was like, generally, watching playthroughs of spooky video games doesn't get me. Yeah, especially if there's place. like someone fun with it. And so I was watching yeah. Eurogamers, and so there was a nice lady with an Irish accent who was like hosting oh, it and was like, kind of nice. laughing along with it. And she had already played it, so she also like, oh, yeah, so. like knew what was coming. So that was nice. Yeah. But Oh, and I did have a dream that... Like, I went somewhere. It was another one of those. I wasn't in a location I recognized. And we were all taking turns jumping off of, like, the front step into a puddle. Mm 
mm-hmm. but then like it kept raining and the puddle kept getting deeper and by the time it was my turn I was like I'm 30 and I'm gonna hurt myself <laughs> like if I jump off this thing and like my cousins were there and they're like 26 and I was like yeah aren't we all getting a little old for this and they're like jump 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 <laughs> jump and I was like okay and I jumped in and by that point I was like like dog paddling oh, no. like up to my chin in in mud and I was like what what happened <laughs> and then I woke up see my dream last so. night I went to a mall and I was in line for getting ice cream and Ooh. there was a Ghirardelli flavor, and I was like, I'm going to get the Ghirardelli flavor. And then they were like, what toppings do you want? And they didn't have a list anywhere, so I was like <gasps> trying to peer behind the counter. Oh, so that was an important dream for me because it tells me how much I want ice cream. <laughs> yeah, but also that's an important – well, like I think about like the socially awkward – of when you're like it's your turn to order something and, and there's like a not. line of people behind you and you're like oh god I can't there's mm-hmm. where's the menu I can't yeah. see yeah so I was like oh there's something that says German chocolate German chocolate and all I could see were like gummy bears and I'm like I'm getting a chocolate flavor I don't want gummy bears but I was like but what if there are other toppings that I wanted I can't see anyway yeah anyway what are we talking about today food and cooking we're talking food about and cooking because and- it's spooky Getty hour. <laughs> Spook Getty hour. So we previously covered some food folklore in a year's past Thanksgiving episode. And yeah. we also obviously touched on it a little bit in last week's episode on herbology and botany. So and we're we just, talked about stuff in our wedding episodes and, and in our superstitions, superstitions episode. episode. And even today I was talking to Jack and was like... Are there any, like, food-adjacent things that you can think of that would be related to Spook, spook Hour? And he was like, well, Setsubun. And I was like, yeah, hey, we talked we, about Setsubun. Yeah, so, like, yeah. So we've talked touched on food here and there. But today, yeah. this is the we're, main course. Like, we're <laughs> we're going, you know, we've, we've, we've had a little... Amuse-bouches of food Amuse-bouches here and there. But today is going to be, like, the main course. We're today talking we about feast. food. So I'm going to be going about... You know, the basics of incorporating cooking magic into your daily life. I found a couple ghosts who cook. And then I have some folk tales that are cooking related and that teach us an important lesson that, you know, as we go about our daily lives where we're like, maybe the villain was right. These pieces might actually support that. (laughs) (laughs) It's not important. It's fine. Yeah. And then I've got stuff about magical herbs and tea. And then if we have time... A little bit of religious mythology from around the world. Talk to me about kitchen witchery. Quick, quick, witchery. So, all (laughs) of my topics today came from Wikipedia, Zdevetevans. It's Z-T-E-V-E-T-E-V-A-N-S dot WordPress dot com. So, Zdevetevans. Forbes dot com, LearnReligions dot com, and ThePress dot net. So, cooking magic. What is the deal with that? Because the kitchen serves as the hearth in many modern homes and is frequently used as a gathering space during social times, the branch of paganism known as kitchen witchery or kitchen magic is on the rise. Part kitchery. Quitchery. Quitchery. I love it. Quitchery. It's like Twitches, the Teen Witches Disney Channel original movie. It's it's quitchery. Quitches. Quitches. (laughs) We're just a couple of quitches. So, particularly over the past year as we've been spending more time in our houses mm-hmm. and people you've seen kind of a return to cooking and people spending time in the kitchen so the blog that I was reading about this was talking about how as there are economic downturns and as people return more to home cooking rather than eating out mm-hmm. you will see a corresponding rise in wicca paganism and witchcraft where the kitchen gets more involved in your magic process. That's so, cool. If you are ready to enchant your taste buds, here are a few steps you can take to make your kitchen a more magical place. First, and most importantly, as with many Wicca practices, the key is intent and will as you put your ingredients together. So because cooking is already a practice that you are undertaking where you're making something with your own hands, it already has a sacred energy to it. So by taking a moment to think about your kitchen as a sacred space and be more in tune with your actions and more in line with setting an intention for the food you're cooking. So you're like, Mm -hmm. I want this to be delicious and I want this to give me the energy to go out and get a new job. Or I want this to, you know, give me the confidence to find my one true love or whatever. Mm -hmm. The more you do that, you can set an intention to infuse the food you make with your desired quality. So just 
very basic. It seems to me like, and, you know, obviously I'm not a Wiccan or I, I don't know a ton about it, but mm-hmm. it seems to me like a lot of Wiccan practice is just like as you use something, being very clear in your thoughts and setting that kind of will towards it. Mm, so okay. step one, just set your intentions. Mm-hmm. Step two, and this is an optional step, but if you feel crafty, you can make a kitchen altar. So, to do this, you'll need a statue of a home or hearth goddess like Bridget in Ireland or Hestia in Greece. So Mm -hmm. you're looking for, you know, largely they're goddesses of home, hearth, you know, Mm -hmm. often they're associated with childbirth, things like that. You'll also want a candle, an optional cauldron, and you can paint a trivet with symbols of your tradition, but that's optional. So the cauldron Mm -hmm. and the trivet are optional, but, you know. Don't skimp on the hearth goddess or the candle. Also, who doesn't love candles? Yeah. You'll want to keep your herbs on display if you're cooking with them. That's Mm -hmm. very important. And you'll want to keep them out of direct sunlight, which is a good tip in general, both for magical practice. And if you're cooking with fresh herbs, Mm -hmm. you want to keep them out of direct sunlight because you're going to lose flavor. And they're going to go bad more quickly if they're in direct sunlight. Mm Mm-hmm. It sunburns them. Yes, and that's bad. I just invested in, and at some point we're getting a garlic jar so that our (gasps) garlic survives a little longer because our kitchen is very sunny. Mm -hmm. So as much as possible, you're going to want to use fresh herbs and vegetables. Obviously, there are limits to that. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know where you would find, like, fresh allspice, for instance. (laughs) You're just going to have to do the ground stuff. But if you're using fresh herbs and vegetables, like, as much as possible, try and rely on that. Yeah, especially since we're coming into summer and right. it's so easy to make like a little windowsill garden mm-hmm. or a little patio garden with just some herbs. It's a very plentiful mm-hmm. time Yeah, if you are willing to garden. Mm-hmm. You can also paint your kitchen walls in a color that comforts you as part of your kitchen altar. Mm-hmm. So if you paint them in the yellow family, it will be bright and happy and give you that bright, happy energy. Mm-hmm. If you use greens, it will bring you prosperity and abundance. Okay. And if you use earth tones, it will be soothing. So depending on the vibe you're going for, these are some options to consider. A very simple step that everyone can do with basically minimal effort, keep your kitchen clean. Yeah. It's a sacred space, so its physical cleanliness will help maintain your spiritual cleanliness. And clutter Mm -hmm. will needlessly crowd out your ability to find balance. So having that kind of chill space will Mm -hmm. really help. I always feel better when our kitchen is clean. Same. Like, dirty dishes in the sink stresses me out like very few things Mm -hmm. do. So wipe down your countertops regularly. Keep the sink free of dirty dishes. Mm -hmm. Organize your cupboards. Organize your cookbooks. One thing Mm -hmm. that this particular blog recommended was starting a magical recipe book to keep separate from any other book of magical spiritual practice Mm -hmm. so not just like if you have like a book of shadows don't put your recipes in that have a separate book for your kitchen recipes mm -hmm. and then keep that with your cookbooks and keep them organized so you can find them and then finally if you are looking to incorporate magic specifically into your cooking consider stirring in a deosil which is clockwise fashion Mm -hmm. which will ensure prosperity or you can stir Wittershins, which is counterclockwise, if you're trying to cause bad luck for someone. So if I'm like, fuck you, I'm mad, I'm going to stir that shit Wittershins, and now you have, you know, cursed pudding. Interesting. I think by default, I usually stir clockwise. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. about it. I was like, I think I usually stir, because I'm usually stirring right-handed, because I am yeah. right-handed. And this feels more natural than going the other yeah. way. That's awkward and clunky. Yeah. Even or if I, I do my left hand, clockwise is going to be... Or I go forward and backwards. We are doing some real quality hand gestures on this call. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a shame podcasts are not a visual medium. Yeah. And finally, when you are spreading any kind of condiment, so that's your jams, your mustards, ketchup, butter. Mayo, whatever, mm-hmm. butter... Consider you can spread them in a sigil to denote oh. your purpose and kind of set up further your intention for it. So just a really easy way to be like, bloop, I use this sigil. Now this peanut butter and jelly sandwich is going to, you know, bring me mental prosperity or whatever. Also, when you're baking bread, you can carefully choose your herbs to get your magical needs met. And with these simple steps, you are well on your way to being a kitchen witch. Okay. And- I put that, in my notes, look at you, little Linda, hashtag team Linda, hashtag what part of the bat is the guano? Because we right. posited when we watched Witch's Brew that Linda was a cooking witch. A kitchen witch. witch, yeah. And now we know she was a quitch. I, okay, some of that, like, makes a lot of sense to me. Some of that sounds a little bit like Marie Kondoing, mm-hmm. you know, like, and some setting an intention just like, and, like, being very... Keep a tiny house. Keep a tiny know? house and, like, keep things organized and together if they, like, make sense together, like a cookbooks. Yeah. But I was just thinking about, like... The, you know, spreading your peanut butter and jelly, like, in a sigil on your sandwich. And I don't 
I don't spread it in a sigil or anything like that, but I do talk to my sandwiches when I'm making my lunch for the week where I'm just like, okay, I'm going to eat this and I'm going to have energy and I'm going to be like, I'm going to, you know, have a good day at work or, you know, a day, good day at school. Like, yeah, it's going to be okay. And so I like talked to you're my already, sandwiches. You're already a quitch and you didn't even know. Oh, I didn't See, even know it. Yeah. Whatever I'm using any kind of squirty condiment. So like mm-hmm. a mustard or like mm-hmm. anything like, mm-hmm. or even something with the spoonful. I always make a design of some sort. So I'll do like a spiral or I'll do mm-hmm. a little smiley face uh, or yeah. whatever. Like, yeah, the you know, that's my color. Yeah, the kitchen color stuff also is good to know because our kitchen's really ugly, but we don't have the means to like do a whole kitchen renovation. But right. I've thought about just taking down all the cabinets and mm-hmm. repainting them. Yeah. And that's definitely been like a question for me, like, oh, well, what color am I going to paint them? Well, earth so. tones will be soothing, while green will bring you prosperity and abundance. Yeah. Well, our kitchen counter is green. Oh. So yeah, maybe so earth I'm tones. like Maybe earth tones because yeah. earth tones would go with that. Maybe, maybe I paint get like some yellow tile or something like yeah, nice, yeah, for your shiny, happy energy, happy energy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So those are those are your basic That's steps nice. to kitchen witchery. Yeah. So actually, I'm glad that you talked about baking herbs into your bread to for different things because that's a really good segue. Yay! So my all of my research for today comes from three. Wi- Three Leaf Farm, Gardener's Path, BardGarden.blogspot, Blue Relics and Revivals, Bon Appetit, Twinings, and Green Witch Tea. So I'm just going to talk about some of these herbs first. So Pennyroyal is an herb in the mint family that is used for protection. And historically, it is used to protect against the evil eye. And if you put it in your shoe, it prevents weariness and increases stamina. I need for that the person. herb. Jesus yeah, I was like, Christ. can you just put some Pennyroyal in your shoe? Yeah, I'm going to need to start wearing shoes in the house and just load them up with Pennyroyal. <laughs> right. And then if you carry it in your pocket, then it can smooth the way for fair business deals. And it also can promote peace, compromise, and help to stop fighting. So it's also just good to have Pennyroyal on your person. Yeah. There are also other mints in the mint family that are used in magical rites and spells. So generally mint is mint to draw wealth. Oh, <laughs> hey. It's mint to be minted. It's mint to be minted. Is that Lure- why we have Is that why we say minted for money? You know, I don't know, but now I want Damn. to know. I'm going to Google that. Keep talking. Okay, I'll keep talking. It also can lure love, keep out evil, just like Penny Royal, and then enhance your overall well-being. Drinking mint tea can bring you good luck and protection throughout the day. And you can also place mint under your pillow to induce a vision of the future in your dreams and also protect against attacks of evil magic, nightmares, and evil spirits of the night. So, Courtney, you should probably put mint under your pillow. Oh, my God. And I love mint, so this is perfect for everybody. Keep it dry and also near your workspace to promote prosperity and financial success. I just got to get me some mint, man. I need mint and I need penny royal. Yeah. When you're sick, keep it over your sick bed to drive off negative energy. And also, if you if you have a tummy ache, mint can aid with your digestion issues, and it can also be used in aromatherapy for healing purposes. You can r- rub oil form of mint on your sore and fatigued muscles, and it'll feel better. Chamomile is another uh, of these herbs that can give you some prosperity. Chamomile attracts monies, uh, money when your hands are washed in a chamomile infusion, and it's also a time honored ritual to use before either entering into a business deal or gambling. Oh, okay. You can also have like small bouquets or sachets of chamomile and put them up to attract money to a place of business. So if you have your own little business, you can put chamomile around. And then it aids in sleep and relaxation when used as tea. So harvest the blooms at their peak and dry them quickly so you can store them. Okay, I have disappointing news about Uh-oh. mint. Uh-oh, mint is not... Minted. It's not because of the plant that we say mint for money. Uh, it's because the Latin root moneta mm-hmm. is turned into mint. And so it's just, they're homophones rather uh, than, not I fun. know, I'm like, this could have been so cool. This could have been so much fun and it wasn't. Damn you money. <laughs> Thanks, Latin. <laughs> Thanks for nothing, Latin. <laughs> Thanks for nothing, Latin. <laughs> okay, so here's another one that will help you ward off evil spirits and promote peace and purification lavender 
You can burn it to promote sleep and rest and scatter your the ashes around the home to bring peace and harmony and also purify the space. So if you're not going to use white sage, like we talked about oh, in our last episode, yeah. lavender grows abundantly. Also, and so you can burn a little bit to purify your space. Yeah, and I read years ago an article about aromatherapy. They mm-hmm. did like an intense scientific experiment to see if any aromatherapy actually works. Mm-hmm. And the two smells that did what they were supposed to were lemon, Lav- which was energizing, mm-hmm. and, lavender, and lavender, which genuinely was soothing. Yep. So lavender use, can do it all. Yeah, at work I use peppermint in my diffuser. And actually my students come into my classroom and they're like, it smells good in here. I yeah. like it. <laughs> and peppermint will also ward off bugs. If you yeah. need, like, we had a hornet's nest setting up at mm-hmm. the last place I lived, and that's bad. Yeah. But I didn't want to kill them because, you know, they're just doing their, like, hornet they thing. were wasps, actually. They a were wasp. just doing their wasp thing, and that's yeah. not my business. But I didn't want them to set up and uh, kill yes, me. the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. Yeah, those <laughs> they're just fuckers, doing their own thing. They just set up on our fucking shed, and I was like, can we not? And they were like, no, we have to. We have to have our tea party. Spritzed a couple things of, like, peppermint oil mm-hmm. in, like, a water bottle, so it was, like, yeah. one part peppermint oil to, like, three parts water. Mm-hmm. They cleared out. They abandoned their fresh-made nest because they really wow. hate it. So if yeah. you have bug problems, but you don't want to kill them, peppermint mm-hmm. oil. Yeah, and so lavender... Use it. Because if you are not having quite the peaceful sleep, lavender is a really good way to get yourself sleepy and started. But also, if you place it under your pillows, along with your all of your mints and pennyroyal. <laughs> How many things have to go under my pillow? A lot of things. I'm just going to make you a nice sachet, and then you're okay. just going to stick it under your pillow. Thank you. Because that can basically induce peaceful sleeping. And then they also say it can, like, heal, like, depressive symptoms. So not necessarily oh. cure your depression, but, like, but if you're like, sad, like, you, it gives you a little bit of peace of mind That's to, nice. like, help you relax more. And I find, I, I do use a lot of lavender when I sleep. And so I can, I, you know, I'm also on an SSRI. Yeah. Which helps me. You but can do both and that's the joy the of it. In a soothing like yeah. calming way lavender helps. Yeah. I loved our sound energy chair healing and you know once yeah. it's safe to do shit again I'm absolutely going to go back but I am also on medication to help manage my anxiety. Yeah. T- take me to the chair place again. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I will safe. take you yeah. when it's safe. I'm never going to leave the chair place. <laughs> Uh-uh, no, me neither. So dried lavender, you can also hang outside of your house to ward evil spirits. Okay. And then it also was used for medicinal properties t- dating back to 77 Common Era by the Greek physician Dioscrides. Dioscorides <laughs> During the Roman Empire. Dioscorides nuts. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Lavender could relieve indigestion, headaches, and sore throats. And if it was taken internally, it often also helped with wounds and burns. And ancient Egyptians used lavender in their mummification process and a perfume on their clothes. What can't lavender do? Right? You can also use it even in modern times as uh, for ailments like anxiety, stress, insomnia, exhaustion, digestion, nervousness, and more. And then it's also a culinary herb to add aroma and flavor. It's very trendy right now to put lavender in things. Yeah, lavender lavender lemonade. Lavender coffee, lavender iced tea. Mm. I'm sure there's lavender boba you can get. Oh, yeah. I got a so. boba last week. Oh, my God. Mm. It was mint. <gasps> it was mint to be. It was mint to be. <laughs> Rosemary is another herbal incense that has been used traditionally to cleanse and purify any space of negativity. Wow, another thing another that you could use instead of white sage. And also put under your pillow because, like <laughs> lavender, it protects against nightmares when placed beneath the pillow. Fuck and if you, you hang it by your door, it protects against thieves. So already cool. we're talking about making a bundle to put outside your door, like in front of your door, I, making a bundle for under your pillow. Okay, <laughs> as the skeptic of the podcast, can I just point out, is it possible that thieves stay away because you have like a bouquet of shit outside your door and they're like, I don't know what's going on there, but they seem weird. <laughs> <laughs> and so they just go to a different house that right. doesn't have all that shit outside of it yeah it's like mm, mm. yeah this is some Blair Witch shit I don't I don't want any of this right Mm-mm, not for not for us but it's <laughs> but definitely for me mm. <laughs> 
When worn on the head, it helps aid in memory, and actually you can use it medicinally to awaken your mind and improve circulation. It has strong healing energy and has been long used for love potions and elixirs. To ensure a faithful husband, married women could keep a sachet of rosemary near the entrance of their homes. And then it's also used in spells for fidelity and removing jealousy. Hmm. It's also dropped into graves so that a deceased loved one would not be forgotten. If you remember, in Hamlet, Ophelia gives out Rosemary for remembrance, just as she did with Rue for those around her to, like, regret and repent their evil deeds. We talked about Rue last time. We did. Rosemary shows up as well. Okay. In the Middle Ages, it was also thought to ward off evil spirits and witches. And in old world magic, you could, again, burn it to purify a room or ritual space before you perform magic. So I'm thinking about for our quitches, you could burn a little bit of rosemary or cook with rosemary and it'll like purify your kitchen. Nice. It can also be used to, again, improve retention, recall facts if when ingested. The oil is also good for increasing circulation, relieving aches and pains. And if you put it into your bath or a tea, it can remove some anxiety and create invigoration and help cleanse your spirit. So... We're just going to stew in some, like, herbal baths <laughs> and <laughs> rub do, oils all over ourselves. When and, we do cicada cone, we'll just set up two really big buckets in the yeah. backyard wherever we are and just soak in all the herbs and let the cicadas fly around Fly us. around, yep. Like it'll be magical. the quitches we are. <laughs> exactly. Okay, just a couple more. Angelica is a plant full of good angelic magic. Angelica. Hey, but what about Eliza and Peggy? <laughs> You know what's funny is that's the first Angelica you think of. The first Angelica I think of is Angelica Pickles. (laughs) (laughs) What does that say about our personalities? Yeah, this is how we're different as people. (laughs) So legends say that a holy monk dreamed of talking with an angel who showed him an herb that could heal the bubonic plague. And it just so happened to be the Angelica. The leaves and stems, when cut very young, are also delicious if you crystallize them with sugar or syrup and eat them as a snack. What isn't delicious if you crystallize it in sugar or syrup? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Fennel, which is another commonly used spice or vegetable, it's got a really strong anise flavor, like kind of like licorice. Mm -hmm. It was hung over doors to prevent the devil or witches from gaining access to homes with dark magic. And the fennel seeds could also be put into keyholes for the same reason. So basically you're just like, nope, no dark magic here, only fennel. And also if you chew a little bit, it can help you relieve your nausea. Hmm. Oregano comes, so the, the word itself comes from the word, Greek word oros and ganos, meaning mountain and joy. So it's a harbinger of joy wherever it grew. And yes. in ancient Rome, it was used to crown brides and grooms and wish them future happiness. Parsley, in very historic times, it could have a bad reputation for belonging to the devil in some northern European cultures and the UK. Because it's slow to germinate, some old stories would say that it went seven times to the devil and back before it germinated. And any seeds that failed to grow were the ones that Satan kept himself. All right. Spooky. <laughs> Spooky. There are also a number of superstitions around parsley, including that planting its seeds will help a woman get pregnant. Or if a, if a parsley plant thrives, it means that a woman's husband is weak, which I'm just like, which do you want, the parsley or the husband? You can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. <laughs> but and also, then also, if you had to pick parsley, had, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, and don't bring it to a dinner party because giving parsley as a gift brings bad luck. But also... I feel like that was a host who everybody kept bringing them parsley and they were like, what the fuck am I supposed Why to do Why is this? everyone bringing me parsley? It's a fucking yeah. garnish. Who, who like, brings it as a gift? Yeah. And then, yeah, we talked about sage last time about white sage and how it's used for smudging, but it mm-hmm. also obviously shows up in cooking. It's associated with wisdom, good luck, and mortality. And so sage will build a Im- emotional strength and help heal grief. Sage was also once dubbed a cure-all by many ancient herbalists in Europe and Asia. There were some ancient Arab physicians who believed that it could actually incur immortality. Sage was also used for medicinal purposes by the ancient Egyptians, Romans, and Greeks as well, like to cure snake bites, enhance memory and cognition. And then more recently, you can use sage for anti-inflammatory properties. Oh. Yeah. So that's herbs. That's helpful. 
put them under your pillow, put them in your food. <laughs> My pillow is going to be at like a body. 90 degree angle at this point because yeah. of all of the herbs under it to keep me from having nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I like want to make a list of everything that goes under a pillow and just like make sachets for all of my friends. That- that would actually be a very cute, like, holiday gift yeah. to give people. Mm-hmm. That's very sweet. So, you heard it here first, folks. You're welcome give, for give any... Give your friends Yeah, herbs. give your friends sleepy herbs. Mm-hmm. It's like sleepy time tea, but you put it under your pillow instead of in but your But then mouth. also give them sleepy time tea. It'll be just a nice little sleepy time it's thing. a little bear in his little nightcap. Oh, nightcap. He's, He's like, oh, I'm so sleepy. sleepy. Baby. Are you ready to hear about some cooking ghosts? Yes! Okay, so on the spoopier side of things... There is a woman named Vicki McKenna who detailed her experience accidentally moving into a haunted house in a column for thepress.net. Amazing. So, when Vicki bought the house, I feel like this would, it would be a concern if yeah. this were how. So basically, the guy who was moving out and selling the house, it's because his wife and his mother-in-law abruptly, like, bolted in the night to Florida. They left the daughter behind and they were just like, we're out of 5000 and then he was scrambling to find his footing, so he needed to downsize, he needed to sell a house, whatever. But he was in such a hurry that he offered to sell Vicky and her family most of the old furniture and a crystal chandelier with the house. Huh. I put in my notes, extremely sus. That's like, that's begging to be haunted. Like, that's just, of course he wants to sell the haunted shit to you. He doesn't want to take it with him to his new place. So... First few years of the house, Vicky and her family did not notice anything, like, super out of sorts. They were like, oh, this is fine, you know. But one of her daughters turned 16 and moved into a new room in the house, and that is when things kicked off immediately. Uh She started having disturbing nightmares. Like, it would upset her, whatever. To this day, the other kids refuse to spend any amount of time in that room, and when they come back to visit, because many of them are adults now, Mm -hmm. they will refuse to sleep in that room because anybody who sleeps in there has disturbing nightmares. So, probably a haunted house. Probably. But the relevant part happened just a few years prior to the publication of the article in 2019. Mm -hmm. Vicky herself woke up at 3 a.m., the witching hour, to the smell of someone cooking steak. (sighs) Ah. At first, she was like, okay, the neighbors are having a super late night cookout. They're just, they're in a mood for steak. They're cooking steak at 3 a.m., whatever. So she opened her window to confirm, but there was only fresh air smell coming in. So nobody outside was cooking steak. So she's like, okay, well, maybe somebody in my family got a hankering for steak at 3 in the morning. So she goes downstairs to see what was going on. Nobody was in the kitchen. And in fact, the rest of the house did not smell like steak. It was just her bedroom. To be safe, after the steak incident, when Vicky finally told her family what happened, they did a cleansing ritual just to, like, try and clear things out. And she never followed up to say if that worked or if the cooking steak smell came back. But a ghost in the night cooked a steak in her house. So that kind of reminds me of yesterday where I was at my parents' house celebrating early Mother's Day with my mom, Mm -hmm. and we were sitting around a fire pit, and all of a sudden, Jack was like, do I smell meat? And we were like, what? And he was like, I smell meat. And he was like, is it the fire? And then we, like, kind of moved around and smelled. It was was neighbors. They were having a barbecue. But he definitely, there was this, like, moment of all of us being like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yesterday, I was like do you smell popcorn? And Jack was like, what? And I was like, do you smell popcorn? And then he took a couple sniffs and he goes, okay, yeah, I do smell popcorn. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's oh, that, okay. that first thought when you're like, oh God, uh-oh. this is the end. This is the end. <laughs> this Someone is how it is, happens. A ghost is cooking steak in the middle of the night because they lost control of their lives. This is, yep, this is, this is spiraled out of my control. I don't know where I went wrong, but it is too late. And then <laughs> secondly, just a very quick the Queen Mary has the ghost of a chef aboard it. And I yes. think I talked about this after I did the ghost tour at the Queen Mary. But if but I didn't... We love the Queen Mary. Just keep talking about the, the Queen, Queen Mary. Mary. So we're just going to real quick recap it. According to the legend, the chef was an absolutely terrible boss. He was verbally abusive. He'd throw shit. He was just awful to work for. And eventually his underlings were like, we have fucking had it. We are on this fucking boat and you're being a dick. Yeah. So they decided to seize hold of the means of production by shoving the cook into the ovens and oh, no. burning him alive. Oh, no. A real so Hansel that, and Gretel situation. They Hansel and Gretel'd him, and that ghost allegedly still locks the Queen Mary to the Queen stick. Mary is so freaky. It's but so haunted. Also, I have the Calm app 
on my oh. phone, and there is a Queen Mary story, but it's not a haunted story. It's the Queen Mary oh. when it was like like in its early years oh, of being like a boat, and, and when and it was like young happened. and new and nothing scary is happening. Yeah. And I think about that a lot. Whenever whenever I start playing the Queen Mary story and I'm like drifting off to sleep, I'm like, that ship is fucking haunted. It is so fucking haunted, man. <laughs> that is a haunted AM ship. So yeah, those are the two cooking ghosts I found. Nice. So while we are on the topic of things that cook, <laughs> if we are going to be talking about cooking magic, we absolutely need to spend some time with my girl, the one, the only, Strega Nona. Strega Nona! So if you never had the pleasure of reading this Tommy DePaula book or having someone read it to you oh, as a I child. Oh, I Tommy DePaula. I know. He, he passed away last year. Oh, yeah. RIP. Mm. But this book is incredible and a very yeah. lasting legacy. Will I be Stregonona for Halloween this year? Maybe. We don't know. So here's the gist of the Stregonona story, which Tommy DePaula says is an old tale retold and redrawn by him. Stregonona, which means grandma witch in Italian. So right off the bat, we are just off to the races and doing right. so well. So, Stregonona is a witch doctor slash folklore healer in her village in southern Italy, and she's known for curing headaches and warts, and she even helps single ladies lock down husbands with her herbal remedies. Nice. But, because she's a grandma witch, Stregonona hires a young man to help her around her cottage and with her witchly duties, and this young man is named Big Anthony, so he's her household help. But, Big Anthony is not great at listening, so Streganona very carefully outlines his responsibilities and lays down one huge rule that he is never to break. He cannot touch her magic pasta pot. <sighs> Big Anthony does as he's told for a little bit, but one night he sees Streganona singing to the magic pasta pot, and the magic pasta pot produces a lot of cooked spaghetti. And this, as a child, was me being like, where do I get one? I know. As a kid, I was like, this is adulthood. I'm going to get some cookware, I and it's going to do the cooking wait. for me, and it's going to be baller I'm going to have spaghetti all the time. All I will do is eat spaghetti. Let's go. So Big Anthony has a similar response. He's like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And he's so excited about what he's seen that he fails to notice that to get the pasta making to stop, Streganona blows three kisses at the pot. So she just says, mwah, mwah, mwah. And that's mm -hmm. what makes the noodles stop. But Big Anthony is not paying attention. He does not see that. So the next day, Big Anthony runs into the village and he's like, you guys, Streganona has a fucking magic pasta pot. It's so fucking cool. And they all are like, you're crazy. They laugh at him. And he's like. Because Big Anthony's kind of a clown. He's kind of a clown. And also, like, I feel like I would be naturally suspicious as a person, too. If somebody came and was like, I saw this pasta pot that if you sing it a song, it makes pasta. I'm going to be like, you're full of it. If that existed, I would already have it in my house. And I would be eating pasta right now. And I would be eating pasta right now. Am I eating pasta right now, Big Anthony? No, because it doesn't <laughs> exist. <laughs> So he vows, he's like, I'm going to show all of you. I will show you this magic pasta pot. Just you wait and see. And he gets his chance two days later when Strega Nona goes to visit her friend Strega Amelia. With the magic pasta pot unguarded, Big Anthony seizes the opportunity to sing the magic song and get the pasta production going. He brings pasta to the townsfolk, but he neglects to blow three kisses at the pot to get mm. the noodle making to stop. Big Anthony, why? So while he's delivering his ill-gotten noodles, the pot continues to cook, eventually covering Streganona's house with cooked noodles. Big Anthony doesn't know what to do as the noodles threaten to cover the entire town until Streganona returns just in the nick of time and blows three kisses to save the day. God bless Streganona, she's a real one. The townspeople are livid that Big Anthony almost caused... <laughs> I forgot that I wrote this joke last night. Uh-oh. So I'm just going to read directly from my notes. <laughs> the townspeople are livid that Big Anthony almost caused the apostolypse. <laughs> oh, man. Apostolips. The apostolypse. Anyway, so they're all pissed, and apparently they're like, according to the Wikipedia page for Streganona, they call for him to be killed, which seems an extreme response to overdoing the pasta, but okay. But Streganona is like, no, no, the punishment must fit the crime. So instead of killing Big Anthony, she hands him a fork and commands him to eat all the pasta that he has conjured. So by the time night falls, he is stuffed from eating so much pasta. This is an incredible story for a lot of reasons. But 
The subtitle of the book is An Old Tale Retold and Illustrated by Tommy DePaula. So I wanted to get into, is this actually an old Italian folktale mm-hmm. about a woman with a magic pasta pot? Sadly, it is not. So Tommy DePaula himself credits the idea with an old fairy tale coming from Germany called the Magic Porridge Pot or Sweet uh, Porridge. Mm-hmm. In this story, which was included in Grimm's Fairy Tales, there is once a good little girl who lived with her mom, but they were very, 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 very poor. Mm-hmm. They were so poor that they could not feed themselves most of the time. So one day the little girl is out in the woods and this old, old woman sees her and she's like, Psst, little girl. And she hands <laughs> her a small pot. And the old woman goes, here's how you use this pot. When you say, cook, little pot, cook, the pot magically produces sweet porridge. And then to stop the pot, you say, stop, little pot, and then the pot stops making porridge. Mm-hmm. So the little girl is like, holy shit, we're never going to go hungry again. Thanks, right. old woman. Runs home to her mom. You know, she's like, look at this magic pot. Let's do this thing. So one day the little girl is out and about, and her mom's like, I'm in the mood for some porridge. I'm going to bust out the magic porridge pot. So she goes to it, and she goes, cook, little pot, cook. And the pot makes a bunch of porridge, and she eats her porridge. But she doesn't know how to make it stop. So she keeps trying to say words to get it to stop, but the porridge levels keep rising and rising. They flood the kitchen. It floods the house. It floods the next house. It floods the whole street. And still she couldn't remember the magic words to make it stop. And finally, what only one house... Did she try to stop? No, and that's the crazy thing. It's like, you said cook, little pot, cook. Logically, stop, little pot, pot stop. stop. Stop it. It's not like out there magic words. It's just asking the pot. It's not like blowing three kisses. That's that's a bigger leap than saying, stop, little pot, stop. Right. There's only one one house left in the town that isn't flooded with porridge. And the little girl comes back. She says, stop, little pot, stop, and saves the day. So the story ends with people eating their way back to the town. <laughs> so you can see the influence that this story has had on Streganona. Instead of mm-hmm. a magic pasta pot, it's a magic porridge pot. But same kind of principles. But some people also credit stone soup as an inspiration. Oh, which yeah. Is, this is another one where it's like, maybe villains are right about people. Yeah. <laughs> because in stone soup, so this is from different regions of Europe. Then I'll just mm-hmm. go into very quickly some of the background of it. So the idea is that weary travelers or soldiers returning home from war stop by in this town and they're starving and they're like, please feed us. And the townspeople are like, no, I won't share my food with you. So they come up with a plan. So they get a pot, they fill it with water from a stream, they plunk a stone in it, and they set it over a fire. So eventually one of the villagers comes by and is like, What's what's going on here? What's the deal mm-hmm. with this? And they're like, this is stone soup. Oh my god, y'all don't have that here. This is a delicacy. It's so fucking good. You would love it. And the villagers like, okay, interesting, interesting. And they're like, you know, we're still missing a couple garnishes. So if you can give us some of the garnishes, we'll share our stone soup with you at the end. So the villagers like, totally. So that villager brings a carrot. But word of mouth eventually spreads, and so people bring seasonings, they bring potatoes, they bring all the things for a good soup. And the travelers continue to cook and cook until finally they take the stone out of the stone soup and they have a soup. Yep. And it's a it's a regular soup and they share it with everybody. And the moral of the story is, as I put in my notes, people must be tricked to be nice or like it's important to share or whatever. Yeah, we I remember as a little like uh, in preschool, we mm-hmm. did a stone soup day. Yeah. And so all of the kids brought in ingredients, and we read Stone Soup together, and we made a soup together. And it was, it was really nice. That's nice. Yeah. There's also, very quickly, there's an Anansi story about a magical cookpot where there's a famine, and Anansi mm-hmm. is out looking for food for his family, and he sees coconuts, and he tries to throw them into a boat, but then he accidentally throws them all in the sea, and he's so upset, he throws himself into the sea, and he ends up outside Thunder's house, and Thunder's like, bro, I got you, and gives him a magic pot that, you know, same deal. Mm-hmm. You say the magic words, the pot makes delicious food. And while he's rowing home, Anansi is like, you know, I bet if I share this food with my family, it's going to overload the pot. So I'm going to keep it a secret. Which is a dick move, but, you know, Anansi. Yeah, a dick Anansi, move, Anansi. We know about Anansi. Yeah, we know about Anansi. He's a little bit of a douche because he's yeah. a trickster. So his son eventually notices, like, Anansi's like, man, I go out every day to find y'all food and I can't find any. But Anansi is, like, plumping up while the rest of the family is starving to death. So Anansi's oldest Mm. son, Kwekutsin, who is a shapeshifter, turns Mm. into a fly and follows him around all day and finds the pot. (laughs) And so he does the magic ritual, feeds the family, and then his mom decides, I'm going to take this to the village and I'm going to feed the village. Mm -hmm. But that does overwhelm the pot, so the pot melts. Oh, no! So they're all like, we're just going to pretend we never saw the pot. So if Anansi asks, we have no idea what he's talking about. What Mm -hmm. fucking pot? 
And so Anansi knows it had to be somebody in his family who did it. So he's like, I'm going to punish all you fucks. I'm going to get something from Thunder again. So he goes back to the island where he found the coconuts. And he throws the coconuts down, trying to get them in the sea. But they all land in the boat. And he's like, well, shit. So he gets into the boat and he throws all the coconuts out. And then he throws himself into the sea, ends up at Thunder's house again. Tells the whole thing to Thunder. And Thunder's like, I have just the thing for you, bro. Goes inside his house, comes back out, and gives him a stick. And Anansi's like, great, let's go. So Anansi gets into the boat. And he's like, I'm going to try the same magic words that I use with the cooking pot. So he goes, stick, stick, what you did for Thunder, do so for me. And the stick is enchanted. It comes to life and starts beating, beating the, the snot shit. out of yep. Anansi. And so he finally had to leap out of the boat and swim to shore. And it's a valuable lesson about not being greedy and sharing your food with your loved ones. Because otherwise a magic stick will beat your ass. Yeah. But also when you're talking about throwing the coconuts in the sea, I was like, ah, oh, yes, the butt nuts. Ah, yes, the butt <laughs> nuts. nuts. <laughs> so, yeah, there are several variations. So even though Tommy DePaula admits that, you know, there is no old folktale of Streganona, mm-hmm. the idea of an enchanted cooking pot is present around the world. Like yeah. the idea that there's this, there even, there's a story, I think it's Hamasaka Gigi, where at one point the magic in the story, they have a magic bowl that when you mash rice into it, it turns into gold coins mm-hmm. or there, something. Th- there was something, because I think Hanasaka Jisan was um, the one with the the dog and the well, digging, up, digging up the yeah, coins. Yeah, so the dog does that, and then the neighbor kills the dog because he's jealous. Yeah. And then he buries the dog, and a tree grows, and the neighbor, and, like, the tree, like, spits out coins or something, so the neighbor yeah. cuts the tree down, so they burn the ashes, and I think at one point the tree is a, or no, they cut the tree down and turn it into a bowl. And that's when they mash it for the rice and the gold coins. And then the bowl gets burned by the jealous neighbor. And then the ashes turn into a thing that makes trees bloom. Yeah. So, you know, but the idea of like having cookware that does the cooking for you has always been humanity's dream, which I love. And Tommy DePaula, his family was Irish and Italian heritage. And so like him putting like an Italian spin on Streganona Mm -hmm. and it being pasta, like definitely, you know, makes sense with like, okay, there's this folktale. I'm going to make it kind of like my own. Also, if you're sitting here and you're like, I've never heard of Streganona or Tommy DePaula. If you just, Google Streganona. The first video search that pops up is Streganona, read by Mary Steenburgen. And I love Mary Steenburgen. She's great. I didn't know she read Streganona. I should have listened to that last night instead of reading the Wikipedia page. Because what I realized... Because it's also only a 12-minute video. (laughs) Yeah, I've also... Well, because it's, you know, it's it's a a picture book. book. It's a picture book, yeah. it's, It's a real quick read. I remember... I heard the story of Streganona as a kid. I don't know if it was a library book or a book we had. But mostly what I remembered was the magic pasta pot with the noodles and, like, the noodles overflowed. But I didn't really remember much else. I didn't remember Big Anthony not being helpful. I didn't remember the three smooches being what stopped it. I just remembered there was a magic pasta pot and you get endless pasta. It's mm-hmm. like being at Olive Garden. <laughs> yeah, I I remember it because I think... It, well, I know my mom read it because I know I owned it because there's mm-hmm. also there's a bunch of Streganona books as well, including oh, yeah, but- Streganona Meets Her Match, which is like one of my favorite. Aww. That's when there's like another witch and she who's like trying to show up Streganona and Streganona is have- like, no, that yeah. sounds familiar. Yeah. And also Big Anthony and the Magic Ring. And like there's just Str- Big Anthony gets in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Big Here Anthony. Big Anthony. Big Anthony. But yeah, I just I remember reading it as a little kid with my parents and I, I feel like it might have even been on like Reading Rainbow or like a I kid's show or something. I don't remember if it was on Reading Rainbow. Yeah. And so yeah, I think actually yeah, there's a video of from twenty seventeen of LeVar Burton picking his like five favorite children's books and I mm-hmm. think Is Stregonona one of them? Stregon uh, uh ooh, might be one of them. Or at least other people in the comments are saying that they love Stregonona. So everyone loves Stregonona. Stregonona is great. And again, I love the universality of like, no matter where you are in the world, mm-hmm. probably you have some sort of folklore about an ever plentiful pot. Yeah. Because, you know. That would solve so many problems. Yeah. When, when times are scarce, you have to hold out hope that you're going to find this magic cooking pot that's just going to feed you. Yeah. So you have to believe in the enchanted cook pot. Okay. So I've got a few more kind of folky, folktale-ish related, tangentially related things. 
Love it. But uh, these are food-related religious myths, and this comes from mental floss. And so the first one is this idea of eating like a bird. And so when we think about the Greek gods, right? They always got these lavish gifts. But when a flight of doves introduced them to ambrosia, it then became a staple in Mount Olympus. But Greek authors weren't really sure whether to treat it as a food or a beverage. So they they were like, is ambrosia a honey? Is it psychoactive <laughs> mushrooms? What is it? <laughs> But for their part, the doves never divulged where they got the sweet in the first place. So eat like a bird and you'll probably have a good time. <laughs> so yeah, if you when in doubt, eat like a bird. You'll yeah. have a good time. Party, party. In the Australian outback, food has never really been easy to come by. So sure. you can imagine how angry the locals got when one deity started hoarding all the food for himself. <gasps> Sounds like you should eat that deity. Right? Luma Luma was a supernatural whale who disguised himself as a man to teach the Gunwingu Aborigines dancing and painting. Okay. The problem was the gluttonous god also made all the food at his worshippers' feasts taboo, so only he could eat it. That is some Anansi shit. That is some Anansi shit. <laughs> at first, he was only shunned, penance for taking more than his fair share at the local feasts, but when Luma Luma began raiding a mortuary for a snack, the tribesmen were like, no. <laughs> and they banded together and drove the mooching whale lord back into the sea. They were like, great, thanks for teaching us dancing and painting, but um, stop. <laughs> you need to stop. And then, if you're wondering how deities keep themselves fit for so long, according to Chinese mythology, it's in a steady diet of peaches. But oh. not just any peaches, so not like just any old Run peach, peach tree, right? What else is in the teaches of peaches? <laughs> <laughs> Only those grown in the goddess Shi Wang Mu's garden. Okay. The magic peaches take a millennia to ripen. But that didn't tr- keep the, uh, stop the trickster god Monkey from devouring an entire crop one year. Ooh, sounds Mon- like we should eat that monkey. Yeah, Monkey was expelled from heaven as a punishment and sentenced to a lifetime of inferior stone fruit. Also, no more god some peaches. Anansi shit. Yeah. Maybe ask yourself as you go about your day, is this something Anansi would do? Yeah. And should I do it? Would I be considered a trickster god? Would people yeah. get mad? Should I do it? Would people get mad at me and maybe eat me? Also... Would thunder send down a stick to beat my ass? <laughs> if so, maybe don't do it. Speaking of peaches and YA, the the sploosh that they... What did they call it? The, the, that oh, they sploosh. find in holes? Yeah, yeah sploosh, sploosh in holes. Where it's just like preserved peaches mm-hmm. that have been in the ground for, you know, who knows how long. When I was reading that, I was like, this has got to be the most delicious shit. Which is impressive because I'm not the biggest fan of peaches, but like the description of it was like, this is amazing. So I can see why Monkey did it. Yeah. But again, ask yourself, would this make me a trickster god? And then maybe proceed accordingly. <laughs> but also, when I think too hard about sploosh, I'm like... Those peaches were out there for, like, a hundred years. Yeah, those kids for sure were shitting their pants by the end of the day. (laughs) Yeah, but Sploosh removed or helped. Remember at the end, the basketball players, like, yeah, and they smell like peaches. Yeah, it fixed the Yelnats family, like, trying to make shoes not stinky. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh... Sploosh was the key. But again, if something you're using, if you're using it to, like, make your feet not smell, that's maybe something you don't want to put in your mouth. No, definitely not. Uh, And then this final one is about burping. Ooh. Yeah. Relatable content. Yeah, you know, because, you know, like, just like us, sometimes gods have trouble telling if they've had one too many, right? You start Mm -hmm. maybe feeling, you're, like, overindulged and you start maybe getting that tummy ache a little after you indulged, so you, like, didn't see it coming. I always hate that. When I yeah. realize, like, 20 minutes after I overate that I overate. It's like, oh, that was, uh, I should have stopped after that thing. Yeah. yeah. So that's what happened to Daksha, the son of Hindu god Brahma. He felt a powerful thirst for prime- uh, primeval milk. Primeval milk. Wow. What, what could that be? I know. I'm huh. sitting here like, what would that be? Would that? I'm imagining it's probably not cow milk. No. It's something magical. Well, it's got to be something. Yeah. So in a story. I bet account- it tasted like sploosh. Yeah, maybe. 
So in a story recounted in the Indian epic Mahabharata, Daksha made himself sick by drinking too much of this nectar-like amrita that had risen to the surface of the churning cosmic ocean. Churning Cosmic Ocean, that's so a cool band ocean name. ocean milk. Yeah. So when Daksha gave a godly belch, he spewed out the sacred cow goddess Kamandenu Surabi, the divine mother of all cattle. So Daksha's ba- burp baby has been serving up benevolence with a side of dairy to pious Hindus ever since. Burp baby. So that's how, because, you know, we know about beef being sacred, mm-hmm. right, uh, in India. Cows are sacred, so you don't eat mm-hmm. beef. Sorry, I meant to say cows are sacred. Yeah. Beef is, you, we don't eat beef we in don't India. We don't eat beef, yeah. So that's because Daksha gave a godly belch. He that's burped amazing. out a cow. And it was Kamandenu Srabi. Zeus could never. Zeus could never, but Loki might. <laughs> well, Loki for sure. Loki would. could. I could see Loki like farting out some Loki people. Made a Let's be couch, real. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, Loki. Oh, Loki. Oh, Loki. All right, and so that's that's what I got. I love it. All right. Well, I'll that's spill the tea me. next time. We'll spill the tea. Some yeah. We'll yeah. we'll do maybe we'll do beverage lore next time. Beverage <gasps> lore. Ooh, I bet there's a lot about beer. I bet there is a lot about beer and mead. And, yep, wine. And I fucking oh, love, yeah. ooh, yeah, why, ooh, okay, ooh, we can do all the wine cup. <gasps> okay, so tune in next time. Dionysus. Oh, oh, okay, we'll talk. Man. Okay, so Yay. tune in next time. We're going to talk about beverages and shit. Sasha's going to spill the tea. Are you going to you were going to plan better? We're not. And we're not going to We change. found That's a lot of good stuff about food, okay? Yeah, so <laughs> first of all, how dare you? And second of all, come on, you knew we weren't going to get any different. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, this, this, podcast is free <laughs> yeah this is this costs you zero dollars this website is free thank you for supporting us if you do pay us to talk yeah, if you do you pay us stuff, we're sorry god bless we're <laughs> but so sorry you, but you're our but favorites if you don't pay us this well, is what you're you still get. our favorites but like but you I get what you pay for you. i love there's, you there's a throwaway line in an episode in the first season of community where they like for spanish extra credit they're throwing a dia de los muertos party mm-hmm. and one of the characters is tripping balls, and he's like, the dancing skeleton said I was old and pointless. And Joel McHale's character goes, well, when we go to dancing skeletons with our problems, we really get what we pay for, don't we? <laughs> That's one of the standout lines from the entire show for me. Oh my so God. we are the dancing skeletons of podcasts. We really are. And we so, love you. We love you so much, the way only dancing skeletons can. We hope you burp and nothing is born out of it. Unless you're into that, we hope you find the magic cooking pot. We hope you have some pasta. Like, have a good week. Eat <laughs> yeah, something make, tasty. Yeah, make Stregonona happen. Yeah, make, make your Stregonona, own Stregonona happen. 2021. That's mm-hmm. what we need this year is Stregonona. So, big Stregonona energy. Godspeed. We love you. Pasta. Murder. Obsession. Addiction, panic, schizophrenia, mania, violence, survival. I'm Kate. As a forensic psychologist and crisis clinician, I was in the middle of a lot of those experiences. It was my job to come up with an explanation for how the hell did we get here and what happens next. And I'd like to share some of those stories with you. Just make sure that you're ready. Because sometimes after I'm done, you'll think... I felt better before I knew that. You can find Ignorance Was Bliss under IWB Podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter.